0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doing at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams. I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, which means Aaron and I have just seen the fourth episode of Marvel Studios' latest limited series, Loki. Please tell people how dedicated you are to doing the show. When you got up to watch that episode today, Aaron.
1: I don't know. I feel kind of like a slacker because it was only four o'clock in the morning when I started watching. I was off by an hour. Holy cow.
0: Okay. That said, it was a great, great episode.
1: I want to talk about the end. I just want to know, was that an alligator wearing a Loki helmet? I can't wait. Darn it. I got to wait. With second half of the show.
0: I know. I'm sorry. Okay, yes, we will be talking spoilers, but again, out of fairness, for those of you who have not seen episode three or episode four of Loki yet, we will do it second half of the show after the news. Brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. As I mentioned earlier, Aaron and I are recording this particular installment of Marvelous Disney on Wednesday, June 30th. Yesterday, on the other hand, Tuesday, June 29th, pretty significant day for Marvel Studios. Variety reported that production officially began yesterday on Wakanda Forever, the Black Panther sequel down at Trilith Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. They caught Kevin Feige at a Black Widow event and asked him about it. And... President of Marvel Studios said, it's clearly very emotional without Chad. But everyone is very excited to bring the world of Wakanda back to the public and back to the fans. We're doing it in a way that would make Chad proud. By the way, if you are a Black child between the ages of 6 and 13 and have dreamed of someday going to Wakanda, Black Panther 2 is currently casting kids for a scene that is scheduled to be shot on July 21st and July 22nd. No word yet what exactly the scene is about, but the fact that the casting call is asking agents and parents of kids to submit photos of children where they're not smiling, something tells me this will not be a happy scene. And speaking of which, we mentioned that Kevin Feige, they, they caught him at a Black Widow event. Yesterday was the Black Widow global fan event, which meant that fans who were invited via social media got to see this Kate Shortland film in four different locations. There was the AMC Lincoln Square Theater in New York City. David Harbour, who plays Alexei Shostakov, the Red Guardian, in this MCU film. He was on hand for the fan event in Manhattan. Kevin Feige, on the other hand, he was in Hollywood at the El Capitan Theater. Meanwhile, over in London at the Cineworld Leicester Square Theater, it was Florence Pugh, and then, uh, finally, there was an aspect of the, of the Black Widow Global Fan event that was held in Australia yesterday. It was the Village Cinema's Jam Factory in Melbourne. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the reviews so far, Aaron, but they, they've overall, they've been excellent. The uh, headlines over at Rotten Tomato, uh, their roundup of the reviews pretty much sums up this by saying, Black Widow is a thrilling spy movie, absolutely worth the wait. And the critics are saying the latest MCU entry is spectacularly cast feels more grounded in its storytelling and action and signals great things for the rest of Phase 4. It has an 86% freshness rating, no audience score, but that's because nobody who's actually bought a ticket has supposedly or officially seen this thing yet. That said, we do have a running time. It's two hours and 13 minutes long. And also the word's gotten out that there is a mid credit scene that supposedly features someone we've recently seen in Falcon and the Winter
1: Soldier. I'd be willing to bet the dollars to donuts that that would be uh, Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. (laughs) Ooh, Ooh, geez. I was going to go another way with that. No, because don't you recall when she made her entrance in Falcon and Winter Soldier at the tail end, We were supposed to have already met her via uh, an appearance in Black Widow. See, this is why I do this show with Aaron. He actually,
0: even if somebody got up at four o'clock in the morning, he has working brain cells. I'm down to six. Okay. You know, I do the blank, blank, breathe, breathe. And I had blanked that. I had, I had interpreted that as they said, Falcon of the Winter Soldier. It's like, oh, well, it's got to be Sam or Bucky. And it's like, no, of course not. You, uh, you get it in one. (laughs) Okay, please
1: forgive me if we we're going to do this one last time. Are we running down all the times that it was supposed to come out, didn't come out, now it's coming out, coming out? Yeah, yes, get you know, Oh, but, I mean, Okay, well, go well, ahead. No,
0: I just, you know, well, for the... For me, when you—I mean, it's thir- like
1: a sing-along song by now. Doesn't everybody know the words? Follow the bouncing ball. It was originally on March seventeenth, twenty twenty. Then on April third, twenty twenty. Then on September—is that—is that how it goes? Now?
0: Uh, okay, I, I, I perhaps Aaron has a point here. I, I guess for me, the thing I didn't realize initially when f- filming began uh, back in in May twenty eighth, two thousand nineteen, in Norway, and then. I, again, that, that's, that's over two years ago now. But the interesting thing is if the schedule had held, they were supposed to be able to deliver a finished print of this thing in less than a full year. I mean, it was a, a, literally a week and a day shy of that. Its original release date was May 20th, 2020. And again, since then, if we count Disney pulling it off the schedule in mid-March of 2020, this thing got rescheduled four separate times. It seems to have worked out just today. Variety has a piece about how, if you look at how well A Quiet Place 2 and Fast and Furious 9 are doing, it looks like Disney and Marvel waited for the right window. That the people are, in fact, returning to the theaters. I mean, we're not going to see... Avengers endgame game numbers. That's unrealistic to expect. But on the other hand, it looks like in fact, people are willing to go back to movie theaters. Now, remember if the schedule had held, we'd already have seen the eternals at this point. We'd already have seen Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. And speaking of which, did you see, um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the new trailer? The, well, yeah, first of all, the new trailer. but you see what people caught in the new trailer. Uh, would that be
1: an abomination?
0: Yes, but did you see who the Abomination is fighting in that ring? That would be Wong. Yes, I get yes. on that. Again, I'm, I, I, I'm clearly not an observant person. <laughs> I forgot the Elaine Bennis thing, and I watched that, and it's like, oh, well, that's that's a fun fight scene, but it's like, no, they, and what was particularly interesting about this, again, it was Feige at the uh, global event. Uh, it was the Rotten Tomatoes folks who actually talked to him about this, and and he admitted, yeah, that's the abomination, and that's Wong in the ring there. And he here's the the pertinent quote. That's what's fun about the MCO at this stage. We can take a character that we haven't had on screen for over a decade and suddenly have them show up again. And to have our fans see this brief scene in the Shang-Chi trailer,
1: recognize what's going on, and immediately embrace the idea is great fun. Now, Jim, we've we've talked a lot about how MCU has been able to embrace other genres. Mm-hmm. You got your classic world war movie with uh the original captain america you see it? they're embracing a martial mm-hmm. arts film and mm-hmm. one way to tell that they're embracing a martial arts film is they've got a cage match where everyone's got to go toe to toe against this other person or that other mm-hmm. person and and ratchet up the stakes because think about all of the martial arts movies that have ever existed mm-hmm. where it's taken place during a competition whether it be karate kid movies mm-hmm. enter the dragon I mean. It is what it is, right? If you want to tip your hat to a thing, if you want to pay homage to it, you kind of got to do the thing. It doesn't look like an MCU movie. It almost Mm -hmm. looks like a House of Flying Daggers or something, you know, a little bit of that Mm -hmm. influence that's there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm really enjoying about it. Well, and and again, once again, demonstrating, I'm really
0: not an observant individual. Uh, You know, think about it, Tim Roth, as far back of December at last year, you know, uh, acknowledged, yeah, you know, I'm I'm doing the abomination again. But it was was talking about that character, the the Emil uh, Blonsky character was coming uh, back
1: for S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's like, oh,
0: well, while we have you
1: in the office, you know. (laughs) And and that is true. He will be there, but also... We got another shot to put you in. It's great to see that character back. And it's also Mm -hmm. one of the rare times where the MCU kind of reaches out and goes to embrace the Ed Norton film as canon. Right? Yes. There is uh, the Soldier serum uh, Mm -hmm. vial is in the Hulk movie and that remained consistent in the Captain America film. So they've never disavowed it you know it's like oh that's not ours that was a different Mm -hmm. thing you know they they still embrace that and i'm happy because i like that movie i like ed norton and and stuff Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i'm i'm totally okay with with them keeping abomination and and tim roth because i really like tim roth as an actor as well so i'm happy all the way around to see that little half second of of footage (laughs) in the shang chi uh trailer right
0: no, I agree. I agree. I, though it's also worth noting here that the Hank Pym test kitchen at, and, and, uh, DCA's Avengers
1: campus, I guess you
0: can get the soda that Hulkified, uh, Stan Lee in
1: uh, you know, the incredible Hulk movie. So, yeah, but you know, I really believe, I don't think they're doing it, but I re- and I know this is going to sound gross, so mm-hmm. I'll apologize before we do it, but it's yep. a green soda and they should, before they hand it to you, put one drop of red dye <laughs> in that- it. Oh. And and then go enjoy, you know, and no comment. <laughs> just say, "What the hell was that?" Huh? Right.
0: Uh. That, oh. Okay. Again, imaginary. Please send that check to Aaron Adam. That's a great but,
1: idea. Holy. Oh, yeah, down. but it's it's signifying a drop of blood in someone's <laughs> drink, and they're going to be kind of grossed out by that concept overall. Uh, you know, because if you if you do it really well, like a magician, where you get mm. like the fake fingertip and you have mm. a little blood packet in there, and you kind of push there where it looks like it's blood coming out of your finger, mm. and you'd be like, "Oh, hell no, I ain't drinking that." And you're like, wow What's wrong with it?" You know, it's just as you play it off, like, "No, that's just how we do it. It's all good." Um, yeah, I mean, you could really have fun, but people can be really grossed out by, you know, blood in their food. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is why they, the
0: Sweeney Todd dining experience never took off okay uh we, we were just talking about kevin feige uh and earlier this month deadline caught up with him at a virtual version of the pally fest and they asked him if there were any plans to shoot a second season of wandavision or will marvel suitors just have the wanda the, the scarlet witch's storyline evolve over future mcu releases and feige a replied say Yes to an evolution of storyline. He then went on to say that Wanda's storyline would continue in Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Bandits, March 25th of next year. He then went on to say that that's the first place where Wanda's story will continue, but there will be other places, which brings me to the other story that broke last week. Did did you hear this about the mid credit scene in episode eight of WandaVision?
1: Yeah, that's where they. it's, Seems so specifically. Why the hell did they go ahead and color trees more green and put a little vague? It, it's not quite a shadow. It could mm-hmm. be white vision for all we know, floating against a snow-covered mountain. Mm-hmm. But it lacks detail, and it so does. yeah, it's it's a, a a thing, you know, in quotes, thing, mm-hmm. kind of floating down a mountain, and the trees have been recolored at a certain spot, and it's mm-hmm. like what? What's the point? What's the goal now? I will say this, mm. if that scene continues to evolve over time, oh, oh, that would be so brilliant. The most brilliant of all brilliant, brilliant things, because every couple of weeks you'd have to go back and see what changed, and maybe reality is changing as, and, and that's our kind of our linchpin to mm-hmm. what is real and what's breaking and how it's breaking is. Through this end credit scene that keeps evolving with subtle little changes that only nerds would notice if they watch over and over and over, and over again with a microscope. Now,
0: speaking of watching over and over and over again, look, I'm a guy in my 60s. So in my 20s, I spent entirely too much time watching the Zapruder film. Never heard of it. It's good, good for you. It means again, you led a good life. You didn't go down stupid rabbit holes. So that's the thing. I, I hear about this, and it's just sort of like, oh, do I really want to? Do, do I, I really want to go down this rabbit hole? That said, though, one of the things that folks are pointing out now is that in the end credits, it, it's not just the scene that's been changed. The actual end credits now include a reference to Doctor Strange theme uh, by Michael Giacano. You know, the the gentleman who wrote the music for the the feature release. And the fact that that got inserted after the fact suggests that, okay, so maybe Doctor Strange is showing up. But did we talk about the Rolling Stone article with Jack Schaefer, the showrunner at WandaVision?
1: We may have mentioned portions of it.
0: All right. Well, because I I wanted to put this out here. I'm going to, he talks about how, why exactly Benedict Cumberbatch didn't make a cameo appearance in this limited series though. But the interesting thing is Kevin Feige has confirmed that Cumberbatch had been contracted to do so. So it was like, it was supposed to happen. There was an, you know, a signed contract and it didn't show. So here's what Schaefer has to say. The plan when I initially came on board WandaVision was that there would be at the end of the series, be a handoff, and that Doctor Strange's participation in the limited series would amount to essentially a short cameo. So early outlines of WandaVision had varying visions of the two of them, Wanda and Doctor Strange, kind of riding off into the sunset together. And and to be honest, it didn't just didn't feel right. You know, we wanted to fulfill Wanda's agency and autonomy in this particular stories, so having Doctor Strange show up at the very last moment of the limited series did feel kind of tacked on. Another problem was if, if Dr. Strange shows up just at the end, well, where was he this whole time? You know, and he said, I did love writing variations of Dr. Strange, variations of that final beat. It was a pleasure to write for him. There were versions where she's just flying past the city limits and, and then encountered Dr. Strange, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people might say it would have been cool to see Dr. Strange but it would have taken away from Wanda and we and which is what we didn't want to do. We didn't want the end of the show to be commoditized into go see the next movie or here's the white guy, let me show you how power works. That wasn't what we wanted to say. This interview was published by Rolling Stone last month. So with that out there, why would Marvel Studios suddenly go back in and fix the mid-credit scene of the last episode of the show, you know? Couldn't it also have been that Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to come first, then Wanda, then Loki? And when they swapped up the order, isn't it just as likely that, you know, they were rushing to get it out the door, maybe all the effects work wasn't done? And that there's some guy at Marvel, it's like, hey, you know, those CG trees we paid for finally showed up. Do you want me to put them in? It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And now we've launched this whole conspiracy. I have to admit, I love your idea of having to go back every couple of weeks to check this out. And I I have to say, I'm hoping somebody out there, because remember the last episode, episode eight of WandaVision dropped on February 26th. And we all saw the original version of this mid-credit scene. So, does anybody
1: know when specifically this was actually updated? Earliest recorded is when the first person saw it, noticed, mm-hmm. and mentioned. Okay. Other okay. people may have saw it, noticed, and not mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, a couple weeks at best. Now, what if, and I don't want to get spoilery, so I'll say mm-hmm. it vaguely, but what mm-hmm. if one of the uh, time bombs mm-hmm. from Loki has an effect on the reality of because remember a lot of those little time grenades were were launched to places unknown what if one of those was destined for where wanda is at Ooh. and what if uh loki's current arc can be the, the the metronome so to speak in which that changes that end scene in wandavision now, I know that's not the reality, but damn it, wouldn't it be cool if it were?
0: <laughs> okay. I think we're up to three Wouldn't It Be cool for Aaron this week, but they are cool. Yeah, okay, sorry. cool, 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 cool. All right, speaking of which, we just use the L word, folks, Loki, which means that when we get back from this break, we will be talking at length about episode three and four of Loki, and yes, there will be spoilers, so you have been warned. A couple of quick things before we get to Loki. The Los Angeles Times just yesterday published an amazing article about the stuntronic Spider-Man that makes appearances in the Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure. This 95-pound robot is flung 65 feet into the air, and it supposedly has six different iconic Spidey poses that it can do as it, it soars through the air.
1: I bet that number will increase over time, but at at the moment, only six. But I know they're dreaming for more, right? They gotta be.
0: This thing is so spectacular that they're worried that people will will basically, if they put it on schedule, that people would stand out in the street and wait for it and thus clog a relatively tiny land. So it's not on a, a listed schedule. It's random. It's supposed to be spontaneous.
1: So, you know, that you just have to be outside at the right time. So instead of just saying, hey, Aaron, show up at 3.30 and Spidey's going to swing by. Cool, Mm -hmm. I'll do that. And it's only at like five seconds of entertainment. Oh, there he goes. Look, oh, oh, and he's gone, right? you know. So instead of just going, hey, why don't you just show up at 3.30? No, I'm going to have a cappuccino at the cafe across the street because I don't know when this is going to happen. And by the way, when I turn to look at that yummy croissant over there, Mm. fling, flop, floopies, done, and I look back and I go, what the hell did I miss? Did I miss it? Oh, son of a gun. Now I got to sit here for another I don't know how long. Mm. Oh. Just tell me, just say every five minutes, whatever.
0: I agree. It's flawed. In fact, what's intriguing to me is it seems to be sort of borrowing a page from that, the dragon on top of Gringotts that they have at Universal. Sometimes it breathes fire. Is that the gimmick for it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly.
1: So maybe they'll revisit this idea in the future. On the other hand. I guess just say, Disney, you can learn something from radio programming. (laughs) Traffic news on the fives. Right, Just say on the fives, Spidey's going to do a thing. Or on the sixes, right? There we go. Spidey flies on the fives. And No, I love that.
0: Um, uh, By the way, though, in a weird sort of way, it is a good thing that the opening of Avengers Campus in Anaheim uh, got delayed because of COVID, because it turns out that in the interim period, they were actually able to talk with Tom Holland and persuade him that, could you come by Imagineering? We'd love to have you lay down some vocal tracks for this stunt Tronic. And so when Spidey flies through the air, that's the voice you hear. You you hear Tom Holland's
1: voice, a comedy of the character. All right. Now for a gag there. Yep. Tom Holland should say, somebody, please help me. This is real. <laughs> Just like out of every 10th swing, he, instead of him going, hey, gang, I'm Spider-Man. I'm cool. Mm. Just have one with, hey, no, it's really me. Tom Holland, please help me. <laughs>
0: What the hell was that, uh, Martha? I don't know. Play it again. Well, well, now, see, now that would add a little <laughs> element of doubt to the the robot sandwicher. This is actually right. how they they describe it at Imagine because the way it works is this show starts off with a, a performer in a Spider-Man outfit, sort of jumping around the rooftop, doing somersaults, that sort of thing, and then he disappears backstage. Seconds later, you see Spidey leap through the air. And then he lands in an offstage net. And then seconds after that, we get the same human performer now at the other end of the building, who then uh, web walks down the side of the building and then gets into position so folks can get selfies. So it's human, Mm. robot, human, hence the term robot sandwich.
1: It's almost like a Rube Goldberg machine, except, you know, you're just flinging this Spidey goes this way and then the marble (laughs) hits him on the (laughs) noggin and he does a flip down the thing and... (laughs) <laughs> he lands oh, on the, on the little uh, teeter-totter, I, which launches the other Spider-Man over the thing and down the pipe and everybody cl- claps their hands.
0: I, I honestly can't tell you how happy it here. You know, it is to make me hear you reference Rube Goldberg machine. That's, <laughs> but again, I'm old and speaking of machinery, uh, one final quick check this out. If you get to DCA's Avengers campus, we talked a little bit about the Pim kitchen and the, the Hulk soda, but outside of this restaurant, like, you know, any theme park restaurant on the planet, they have a menu board. But what they've done that makes the menu board fun for the Pim Test Kitchen is it's Scott Lang's iPhone made large. It's like six or seven feet tall. And, and the reason you know it's Scott Lang's iPhone is that every so often as you're standing there reading, well, do I want to get the Pimnini sandwich? Scott will suddenly get an instant message from another member of the Avengers. But again, same thing. It's, it's not on a schedule. It just shows up randomly. So if you're standing right. there and you know, at the right time, you'll see something come through for, from Thor or, uh, well, I don't know if Thor actually uses an iPhone.
1: Yeah, no, he he wouldn't be into texting. He would send like a Hawk with a note wrapped around mm-hmm. its leg or something more Norse like, like that. But I can mm-hmm. see like, uh, start saying, Hey, get me a sandwich, a hero sandwich. <laughs> Uh, hero sandwich, <laughs> get it? Cause I'm Iron Man. Ha <laughs>
0: ha. Uh, again, send that check down. That. That's a great, if they're not doing that joke, they should. Yeah. Okay. Now, finally folks to Loki though, one quick side note, you know, we never talked about the Loki charms thing that they did back on. Yeah, the, I know. Right. We should. Nine. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's the thing. They made 3,500 boxes of this general mills. And again, it's lucky charms with Loki on the cover. Originally available for $4.99, sold out in minutes. Now, if you go over to eBay, lowest opening bid is $70. And if you want to do the the buy it now thing, it's like $200 a box. And even as a diabetic, I am so I was sorely tempted to try this mischievously delicious cereal as opposed to magically delicious Lucky Charms, but I now may have to just, Settle for the the lucky charm, or should be the Loki charms refrigerator magnet, which also now on eBay for four dollars and ninety nine cents plus shipping.
1: I really think on the box they should have put the words "burdened with glorious marshmallows."
0: <laughs> well, well, you know, and you, what's so funny is that you know I I saw a, a photo on Twitter the other day of some it's a Baptist church.
1: In yeah, Bur- yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yep. Burbank, California, and literally the outside marquee w- was burdened with glorious purpose. And it's just sort right. of the fact that that's made it into the lexicon. I yeah. mean, just tells you a lot about the show. So let's just start with episode three, which I'm pretty sure I I know your response to episode three, but, but let's hear it.
1: It was a, a nice exposition dump again. <laughs> I mean, you have to do it. It's okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. there's good ways to do stuff and there's bad ways to do stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have two people chatting on a train for Mm -hmm. a a half an hour, Mm -hmm. uh, it's cool to do it on a planet where a moon is crashing down on you. Mm -hmm. Visually it's telling a story in the background. You've got to click a ticking clock, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to get from point A to point B and along the way you're on a train. So you get to chit chat a little bit without any discomfort of, you know, the environment of meteors crashing down, which it seems like they had no cares about the fact that a meteor is crashing down randomly anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so because now Loki is, is no longer with Mobius, mm-hmm. he's with this female Loki. And for a while I was thinking that maybe she was the enchantress mm-hmm. from the comic books. And I honestly still really don't know. I don't know who I think she is mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, okay. I haven't determined that. Mm-hmm. So by episode three, yeah, now Loki's got a new person to talk to, and when he gets to talk to that person, we get to learn about them as well as Loki a little bit. That's a good thing.
0: I agree. I I, I totally agree. You know, and in fact, in a weird sort of way, I would make the connection between episode three of Loki to what you've said about episode one and two of Wandavision that they were mm. kind of a necessary evil. I mean, you had to face it; we had to go from the Sylvie at Roxon, you know, the the Walmart type story, who's bewitching staff and is clearly the big bad, who mm. somebody we sympathize with, and they continued that in like the first five to ten minutes of episode four. So you actually got to see Ravona in her pre-management days, going and claiming the variant that the female Loki. And this is a kid, you know, really? I think they did a great job, uh, you know, with three and four, both filling in from an exposition point of view. And then just episode four was all story.
1: Now, the thing where they did, where they actually go to Asgard and it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so nice to see Asgard again Mm -hmm. before it was destroyed. Yep. And then to find out that there is a female Loki that was taken away. And now I'd, I, and that again leaves me at a point of I don't know what to believe. It, mm-hmm. Is this a case of the unreliable narrator, um. you know, who's trying to say that I am one thing, but I am still yet another? Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember that we opened up the episode with her having lunch or cocktails with uh, a guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and something seemed off. You know, it's mm-hmm. like why is this happening? We as the audience didn't know quite what was happening at that introductory moment in the episode yet either. So, as the guard was learning, hey, wait a minute, this is a memory. And then she asked yes. directly about where's the elevator to the mm-hmm. the timekeepers. You know, mm-hmm. yep. And and now as the audience, we are suddenly aware. Oh, this is a trick. And mm-hmm. but we still didn't quite understand the mechanics of the trick. Yeah. And so it's. Later, that we learned that that she was able to manipulate or or uh, join in on a memory, mm. you know, from from the past and, and manipulate it that way, but she couldn't create new memories, so yeah, i don't I don't know if she's trying to manipulate Loki by it's Loki's memory of him being a child, but she's replacing Loki with herself mm. to prove that there was a female Loki. I mean, there's so many questions I have, and I don't want to go down all the rabbit holes, but it's it, it's it leaves me with. As many questions as I thought there were answers, and I enjoy that. It, there's a little no,
0: no. I, I no. I, I have to admit, I have watched thousands upon thousands of hours of television and movies, and one of the things that I genuinely delight in these days is when a story is going forward and I don't know where it's going to go, and just from the end seed of episode four. The mid credits and, and, and is this our first mid credit scene for Loki? It is, it yeah. is,
1: and I was very thankful to have it. But mm-hmm. before we get to well, the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beheaded one, and it was a robot. Like, what do we do now? What is? Where's the story? What? Who is the timekeepers? What's the betrayal? I mean, it, did Owen Wilson really get to ride on jet skis mm-hmm. professionally? Think- maybe that's why he loved it. And uh, he just doesn't realize it yet. And will we get to see Owen on a jet ski before this is all over? I really hope so.
0: I'm so glad you said that because that's literally my notes for today's show. The effective. If we don't get to see Owen Wilson resurrected in some form and riding a jet ski by the I mean, don't get me wrong. I often don't get what I want from Marvel films. Like I, I wanted in Endgame as Captain America was facing down Thanos, you know, the the, the I could do this all day thing. But yep. it occurred to me, you know, no, wait a minute. He had literally just said that in uh, Infinity War, right? When Cap was fighting yep. with Cap, you know, yep. so it's like that would have meant maybe going to the well once too often. So, but I do, I mean, I really enjoyed Owen Wilson especially in this episode to watch him in action and, and how he switched the temp pad to get the info that he needed and I mean it, it, it was smart it was clever it was well done and <laughs> by the way what did you think of the, the time prison that, that Mobius put put Loki in?
1: Oh that was wonderful I mean uh, my wife is a big fan of Sif as a character yeah. so just having Sif come back she was just very happy and clapping her hands together and, and woo! Sif is back you know mm-hmm. and then and then the fact that Sif was smacking Loki around like a rag doll and and uh doing it repeatedly over and over on this very entertaining little loop mm-hmm. yeah she just loved that because that seemed like Sif's character you know very strong powerful woman mm-hmm. that wouldn't take guff from no one and if you did something to wrong her she was gonna put you down and so yeah it was a wonderful character moment to to loop Loki in on
0: this is honestly what I've been enjoying about these limited series from Marvel studios. It's like, it's one thing to do that for a comedy beat. And, and they, they, they found three and four different variations of the gag that were great fun. Right. But to then watch, you know, I, I think we must've been five minutes into that where, you know, here comes again to hit him and the knee him in the groin and to just have, Loki laid bare and just admit everything. And to watch her sort of reconsider him and not slap him, not hit him, not even the groin to turn that into a character
1: moment, a character growth moment.
0: I thought that was really cool.
1: It's kind of nice because we had to be reminded that he was the Loki who hadn't gotten his redemption yet. This is still the jerk Loki for a while. Yeah. And so he's got to go through a different version of redemption Mm -hmm. That is you know we've already seen the original MCU version of his redemption now he's got to have this alternate timeline redemption Mm -hmm. of he's got to end up in that same place of we don't feel guilty liking him so much when he's on the good side right when he's a bad guy it's just like oh I hate that I love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when he's kind of a good guy, you're like, oh, he's such a treat to have on our team. <laughs>
0: mm, no, I agree.
1: I agree. And by the way, the, continuing the theme of Jim is
0: not very observant, but the fact that we have our, our mid credit scene and, and there is Richard E. Grant. In fact, the credits list him as classic Loki. And what's interesting is he's wearing the Loki custom straight from the comic. Uh, but again, th- that I was surprised to see him is embarrassing. Cause I think it was, September of last year that he tweeted out that Tom Hiddleston and I have talked about working together for some years and I finally get to do so with Loki. So it's like 9 months ago he admitted he was coming on the show and was looking forward to it. So the fact that he suddenly shows up and it's like oh this is a surprise because I can't hold two thoughts in my head at the same
1: time. So Okay, so do we know who all of the characters were if he was classic Loki? There's a kid version of Loki. I want to say that the kid
0: and I'm sorry, I, I, I meant to get, grab the, the this child actor's name, but it was "Young Loki." So okay. that was the one with the alligator with the, the loki horns. What's interesting is that in the credits of the show, there's a boastful Loki. But I don't believe we've seen that character yet. In fact, I, I think it's he's briefly glimpsed in one of the the trailers for this limited series.
1: But okay. um, now, to the left of the kid was a really tall, powerful black gentleman. Yes, do we know it, what his character was known as?
0: I was watching this on the fly, and then putting it into the show notes. Okay. So I, I did not grab that gentleman's name. But
1: yes, it, it almost looked like he looked like he was holding a hammer. Yes. and I thought yes, he, he might have a Thor connection instead of a Loki connection because he wasn't wearing the crown. Mm-hmm. And then, a- aside from all things, mm. the alligator with the Loki crown—we need to address directly. Yeah. What is that? Now you've talked
0: previously about Throg.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Thor being a frog, and it and it sounds good, rolling off the tongue. Throg. Throg, but is alligator is, Loki? Allaloki? Loki? Alligator? <laughs> I, I do not know what to tell you before we jump out i do want to say what you had said uh in a previous episode that the writer had said we got to be airtight from week to week because mm-hmm. sci-fi and time travel people were like hey wait a minute there you go mm-hmm. right so was it the end of episode two now where all of those time bombs yeah. Opened up in a portal and went somewhere. Mm-hmm. The time will go awry in, in mm-hmm. any second now because yep. of all of these bombs that have been scattered all across time and space. And then we've gotten through all of episode three where Loki and Loki female uh, Floki sit on a train and <laughs> chat yep. and then fail at getting yep. off the planet. And then there's episode four where at the last minute because they can't get off the planet. Uh, Owen Wilson has to figure out where they're at and save them and get them off the planet. And then a whole episode four happens. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked to see Owen Wilson get nullified, turned into nothing. I was like, oh my God, I didn't think that would ever happen in the show. So good yeah. job to the writers for playing yeah. with me emotionally that way. Mm-hmm. And then double down on that bet. Like, oh, I got tens. Well, shit, let's split that and double down at the yep. blackjack table. Yep. and let's nullify loki immediately after that and i was like "Nah, uh you can't do that what mm-hmm. what just happened and then credits roll and now i'm sitting there with my jaw unhinged from the rest of my face and it just fell on the floor and it rolled under the table and now i gotta grab a stick and i gotta try and grab my jaw with the stick and get it from under the coffee table so i can rehinge it to my face and talk to you and then we get the credit scene and we see Loki with other Lokis and I don't, and I don't know. I just don't know anything anymore. I just want to.
0: No, no, no. I mean, that, again, that, that's half the charm for me. I mean, for example, when they took out the timekeepers and they lifted up the head of you know, the, the Android, the fact, I mean, that's the wizard of Oz moment, but without the ignore the man behind the curtain, who's yep. the man behind the curtain who exactly. set up the timekeeper and, and also any other show from the end of episode two where we watch all the timelines go berserk that's the check of gun moment you know when do you shoot it when do we go back and see what happened because the timeline went that way
1: you you know what jim you've you've just answered the question on that Mm. because that happened at the end of episode two Mm -hmm. we've got six episodes so episodes one or two are act what? Oh, Act like one. Ah, uh, So we've just watched three and four and we have had nay, not a mention, not a mention mm-hmm. of Chekhov's gun obviously where does that lead us act three where does mm. Chekhov's gun jim always seem <laughs> to go off i i know that you've never heard of this concept and i know you've never even thought of mentioning this concept but let's just run through the basics one time to see what happens True. where do we find Chekhov's gun act one, one mm. yeah mm. where does it where does it always go off act three so there you here we go Again, I'm
0: just I'm going to put good money down on a Wilson and a jet ski, but I guess we're going to have to wait to see. So another thing that was bouncing around Twitter today is evidently if you look past Richard E. Grant and the young Loki in the scene where they're standing, you're supposed to be able to see behind them a demolished Avengers tower. And I, I guess oh. I just
1: did not see that. Now I did see it as a building that had been destroyed, mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to specifically, it didn't look like Stark tower. Mm. It didn't have that shape. And, mm. it, and it wasn't surrounded by other huge New York city buildings, which is where mm. Stark tower is located. Mm. And then, uh, an Avengers campus was mm. like upstate New York. Yep. And that started off fairly flat, low and wide, not mm-hmm. tall yeah and then even after infinity war cuz thanos came by and uh, from what the past to the present and mm. ended up laying waste to that so if they rebuilt it, did we see them rebuild it? And should I know that that's what the new structure looks like when it's demolished? Uh, I don't. I don't know.
0: This may be one of these cases where somebody may be seeing more
1: than is actually there. But wait a minute! Did they have to write an article by a deadline, perchance? And the I deadline know. was. Who and am they- <laughs> I to
0: say? Um, okay. All right. Oh, all right. Also, uh, another thing. Uh, what I love about the show is how sometimes so much inf- information gets just tossed out casually that in mm-hmm. fact there's this great scene in the beginning of episode four where uh owen wilson's mobius character is walking and talking with hunter b-15 and just to bring the prisoners you know uh, sylvie and and loki in and says you know we brought in Cree titans vampires and it's like what's supposedly significant about that line is that's the first time in the mcu they've acknowledged vampires and which sure. Yeah, again, remember we've got our Blade reboot which February is that of this Sony?
1: Year, is is that a Sony thing? Do you recall?
0: Nope. Nope. That is genuine MCU by way of Disney. And in fact, okay. February of this year, Stacy Osenkoofer who wrote the script for the acclaimed HBO Watchmen continuation. Uh, she's been hired to write the screenplay there. So so again, you know, we're we're, right. we're, we're setting up things here.
1: Now, I got I got a throw you a curveball so Mm -hmm. uh blade is proper mcu blade okay Mm -hmm. yep if only he had a vampire to fight Mm -hmm. if only i could think of somebody who has the rights to a vampire movie sony morbius interesting point Uh... now has sony put out anything spider-man related without using spider-man let's see venom one and two will be out by that point Mm -hmm. has the MCU said oh we need to acknowledge that directly and and embrace it with open arms and drag it into the MCU proper I don't even think they've so much as tipped their hat to Venom existing in any sort of way not yet anyway so now they're going to have the MCU is going to have Blade Mm -hmm. with no vampires Mm -hmm. and then Sony's going to have Morbius the living vampire with no Blade and oh if only we could get them on a dance floor will Mm -hmm. they cooperate That's what and and if they do, Jim, Mm -hmm. that's where the Spider-Man goes all sideways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because so far there has been a very clear line in the sand. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is MCU. I don't care what you say. Mm -hmm. Marvel's embraced it. They've put him in Captain America movies. Therefore, this ain't just Spider-Man for Sony, Mm -hmm. right? Even though when a Spider-Man movie comes out, it's a Sony movie. It's also an MCU movie. But when Venom came out. And I'm not saying this because I wasn't a fan of Venom. I'm saying it because Marvel as a company, MCU as a franchise, has not embraced Venom. Venom sure as hell put their arms out and made tons of references to MCU-type things, Mm -hmm. but it's unrequited love as far as I see it right now. And so what happens is if Blade and Morbius end up going toe-to-toe, because the only reason Sonius has Morbius is through the Spider-Man villain's contract side of things. And as soon as they Blade and Morbius go toe to toe, that means everything else gets dragged along with it, whether Marvel likes it or not.
0: This is going to be interesting. Again, top of the show we were talking about the the reviews so far for Black Widow and how this does a, a nice job of setting up, you know, where Phase 4 can potentially go.
1: But Right. before we wrap up I do want to point out because we were talking earlier about Black Widow mm-hmm. and uh, how her release date has changed the things that surround it mm-hmm. and right now we are going to have a glutton of entertainment come our way rapid fire yeah. because as soon as we get done with that uh, and now this is July so we've got August and then September the very beginning of September Shang-Chi. is Shang-Chi Mm-hmm. and then uh, October, a little drought, and then beginning of November, right off the mm-hmm. bat, we got Eternals, yep. and then straight after that into December, we've got Spider-Man No Way Home, and then mm-hmm. in March, so we've finally got a three-month gap breather, finally. We get to Doctor Strange, right? But remember, in, in very likely in that same window of time, we get she Hulk. That's true as well. We've got all the Disney Plus stuff, but I also yep. think that uh, Disney, and mm-hmm. and rightfully so, while all of this MCU content is happening in the theaters, most likely that's when we're going to have stuff like Book of Boba Fett coming out. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to have MCU content; we're going to have Star Wars content while MCU floods the theaters. I'm hoping that is in fact how it shakes out. Yeah, otherwise they're competing with themselves. Like they're like the reason they move Loki right from to from a Friday to a Wednesday release is so they don't end up biting their own butt. When it comes to the Black Widow release on a Friday, which is traditionally where movies come out. Well, no,
0: it's so interesting you say that because, you know, again, remember we are 10 days out at this point from uh, Black Widow opening theaters on the 9th, I want to say, July 9th. So we've got episode five of Loki dropping next Wednesday, but... To ensure that we as Marvel fans are firing up Disney Plus and watching that on Wednesday, literally in the the hour or so before uh, Aaron and I sat down to record the show, Disney Plus announced that they've got yet another of those Simpson tribute shorts. You may remember the one they just did a month or two ago, The Forces Awakened from its Nap. Well, we've got a brand new one, but it arrives next Wednesday on the 7th, along with episode 5. This one is called The Good, The Bart, and The Loki. And in this one, the bullet point is, Loki is banished from Asgard once again and must face his toughest opponents yet, The Simpsons and Springfield's mightiest heroes. The God of Mischief teams up with Bart Simpsons in the ultimate crossover event, paying tribute to the Marvel Cinematic Universe of heroes and villains. I honestly think if this is the case, if they are in fact deliberately front-loading Wednesday to make sure that come Friday, well, you've seen Loki. So, and, you know, now you have a choice of either going to theaters or paying the $30 premium access fee and watching Black Widow at home. No, I, I think you're not wrong when it comes to the book of, of Boba Fett come December. I would bet you that they will do some interesting two steps to make sure that Disney Plus is not getting in the way of Disney theatrical.
1: Well, so far due to COVID, they've been playing reactionary games Mm -hmm. with their programming. Yes. We've got to move stuff because tragedy. Mm -hmm. And we got to move stuff because tragedy hasn't gone away yet. And we Mm got to move stuff. We got to move stuff. And now that life is going to start returning back to normal, God willing, and movie theaters start to come back and thrive, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're going to start programming a lot more strategically like they w- would have liked to from day one. And, and it's going to be Star Wars is going to be, if Star Wars is out on uh, Disney+, Plus, then there's not going to be a movie going on during that month because you've already got your Star Wars fixed there. But there will be a Marvel movie there, so you can watch your Star Wars on, on TV at home, and then you can go right out to the theater and watch a Marvel thing. And boy, isn't that great. And then when a Marvel thing is streaming on Disney+, Plus, well, wouldn't that be a great place to put a, a Star Wars movie? And the interesting thing is that, face it,
0: you and I had talked at length on previous shows about, you know, this carefully coordinated plan that got knocked into a cocked hat by COVID Mm -hmm. and how they're just sort of getting their feet out from under them or or under them again. But I'm sure you saw the the news out of Los Angeles County earlier this week about, you know, they've had the Delta variant flare up there. And to the effect of, hey, can you start wearing masks again indoors? Because this one's especially contagious. And it's just sort of like, I just worry that, as you mentioned, we're just getting back from, from tragedy. We're just getting back to world routines. And it's like, are we in a, a groundhog day moment where six more weeks of COVID, you
1: know, get back in the house. I've just been, cause I've, I've been okay with wearing a mask the entire time, even though I'm vaccinated. So it's just mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the mask and be mm-hmm. extra safe until this thing is gone forever. And if that means when I'm old and 85, and going out, check for my unemployment check from the government. <laughs> I will have a mask on when I go outside because you damn kids won't get the vaccine. <laughs> and this is the result of not having the vaccine. Is I got to wear the mask. So let me go get my check so I can go get my grapefruit juice, <laughs> the, the, the the senior discount at the Denny's, so I can have dinner yeah. at three thirty and be in bed by five. Good
0: day. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's well, speaking of, of, of old man yells at cloud, did you see, Attica? look, I do first of all, I probably shouldn't say that about Link Louvering, because even at at his somewhat advanced age, you could probably pound me into the ground. But did you see just this past Friday night, Blue tweeted out that he was just talking about, well, you know, again, those damn kids who make these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. It's like, just here's what he tweeted. is like, I can't think of another superhero who isn't in costume or CG. You know, I worked damn hard at my diet and exercise for Hulk. I wasn't going to let anyone down. The Hulk was my hero as a kid as well. You
1: know, so the whole ocean of ah, those today's you know superheroes they're all cg once upon a time i had an argument with a friend we went to go see hulk the ang lee hulk by the mm-hmm. way and so okay. it it wasn't the top of technology it wasn't our current bruce banner with mark ruffalo mm-hmm. and uh he's like i don't know it looked fake mm-hmm. and i'm like okay so first off the dude is like 14 feet tall and he's green you ever seen one of them before <laughs> <laughs> ever? No, I mean, like on Discovery Channel, I've seen some exotic birds and stuff mm-hmm. that I've never seen in real life, but I've seen these African cockatoos or whatever. Okay. 14 mm-hmm. foot green tall dude. Have you ever seen one ever? Nope. Okay. Shut up. There is no realistic <laughs> look for that. There just isn't because he doesn't exist. And then, I mean, you get to like, you know, current Mark Ruffalo and it looks good, man. That Hulk looks really, really good. I like, mm-hmm. the way, I like everything about it. But the mm-hmm. whole point is with Lou Ferrigno yep. back in the day in the 70s when we didn't have CG mm-hmm. and we could go from a five foot four guy to a mm-hmm. six foot guy and go, holy cow, look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> what a difference that six inches makes, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Now, if, if I've got the option mm-hmm. of doing a proper Hulk, where he gets to an insane appearance of that's just not humanly possible over Lou Fregno. And you know what, Lou, you look great. You've always looked great. You've always mm. been the specimen of, you know, a manly, manly man with big muscles. Mm. We love you. Mm. Everything about you. But you know what? I'm going to go with the CG version that's 13 foot tall and green and doesn't look realistic because it's better than the six foot two dude that's painted green and run around and rip shorts. It is. It always will be. So well, we love you. We appreciate your contribution. Step back.
0: Okay, we we don't have time to get into this today. But I just came across this amazing story about there was a, a makeup show that they used to do at Universal Studios Hollywood in the seventies. Uh, it was called the Land of a Thousand Faces. They used to present it on the upper lot, and you used to everybody used to sit in stands outside, and they'd select two people out of the audience and. They'd pull two people, a guy and a woman, and they'd then make them up. One would be Frankenstein's monster, and the other one would be Bride of Frankenstein. But this is also during the time when they're shooting the Incredible Hulk on the Universal lot. They shot five seasons of the show there from September of '77 to, I want to say, May 82, something like that. Anyway they're shooting these seasons the show. And, and again, the problem is it's a makeup show. It's not terribly exciting. So the way they began ending the show while the Hulk was on the lot is that they do the reveal, you know, Oh, look at these people we pulled from the audience. And i look like Frankenstein's monster and the bride of Frankenstein. And there'd be this, this styrofoam wall at the end of the, the show where as a button for the show, they'd have a performer dressed as the Hulk. And, and again, Full Lou Ferrigno, green body paint, torn shorts, come to the wall, shows over. But the reason I bring this up is it's only just in like the last week that I've learned from somebody at Disney legal to the effect of that's the reason it took so long to get things like Avengers Campus built. It wasn't the master licensing agreement that MCA signed With Marvel Entertainment in March of 1994, it was the fact that Somewhere in the files, there was this handwritten agreement with Marvel. Like, yeah, you want to use the Hulk in the theme park. Okay, sure. Starting in the summer of 77, you can do that. And it's like, it was this deal that superseded the master licensing agreement that evidently threw Disney legal down the rabbit hole. It's like, well, wait a minute. Is is that the deal or is this the deal? And can somebody at Universal pull those contracts and say, oh no, we're not going to help you. But right. again, we'll have to get to that story on another episode. But again, just the Incredible Hulk appearance at a makeup show. That's why it took from Disney signing the deal in August of, you know, 2009 to. we didn't get the Anaheim version of The Avengers Campus opening till June of 2021, 12 years.
1: I'm kind of surprised they didn't take advantage of uh, in a similar fashion, the way they filmed the show on, was it Adventure Island that you're talking to Len about recently on the Disney dish? Do the same yes. thing with the Hulk. This is the episode where Hulk meets Frankenstein and the bride of Frankenstein rawr, comes through the wall and then, you know, everyone runs off and then the credits roll and it'll we'll be like, oh, the bride of Frankenstein was played by Martha of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and then Frankenstein was played by Ted. Of Nebraska. There we know? go. From <laughs>
0: Sheboygan. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. So when Aaron and I come back, we'll have seen the last two episodes of Loki and hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, We do have some other podcasts here at the the Jim Hill media podcast network. We've got Disney dish with Lentesta. Uh, We've got fine tuning with Drew Taylor. In fact, we're about to record a a fun episode with the uh, directors of boss baby family business, the new DreamWorks. I got to get a new universal joint out the door with Dustin fuse. There's so much going on at the universal, resorts right now. Uh if you get head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review and if you really really liked what you heard here. If you want to head over to Bandcap and subscribe, uh that would be helpful. Can we we tell folks where they can find you on
1: Twitter? At azaprod.com, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I think I like prod people. I just poke them. What are you doing? Poke, <laughs> poke, poke. Reacts. Poke, poke, poke. It's <laughs> kind of the whole point of Twitter, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's what it's for. You
0: can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And I guess that's going to do it for now. So thanks for listening. And Erin and I will be back soon.